We read now from Matthew chapter 26. It's 995, the page number. We read in the first 16 verses. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and to kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. The Lord speak to us this morning from his word. In 1992, Bill Clinton was standing for office as President of the United States. In his campaign team office, someone put up a sign so that the team would all keep on message and know what was the most important thing they had to be promoting as a question during the campaign. You can see on the screen what that message was. Its implication is clear. If you don't see that money matters more than anything else, you're just stupid. That's what Clinton was saying 18 years ago. Now, if that was true in the United States 18 years ago, then there are people who are arguing that today in our culture, in our nation at this moment, nothing is more important than money. We've had the credit crunch We've had the meltdown amongst the banks. We've had the national debt at super levels. And now we have government cuts looming above us and we don't quite know what that's going to mean. If ever there was a time when it seems right to say money matters more than anything else, that's now. Even Christian organisations are finding that the bags are empty. They're finding the pressure on them because people who normally give don't have the resources, trusts that we've been relying on for donations don't have the funds. This week I received a, 
a prayer letter from an organisation well known to us called Prospects. Our friend Pam Killick works for Prospects, a Christian agency working amongst people with learning difficulties. They point out that currently the charity spends about £8 million each year on supporting 350 people with learning disabilities to live in this community. Now, those people are partly funded by 40 different local authorities. And all of those local authorities have now got savings targets that mean they're going to look very hard at what grants they give to a charity to decide whether they can continue those grants or not. Many other churches and Christian organisations are in a similar position. Does money matter more than everything else? I want you to open your Bible and look with you, will you please, at Matthew 26, because we've been having on Sunday mornings recently a series of questions that people ask Jesus, the disciples ask Jesus. And I've been asked to uh, address the question which you will find in verse 8 of this story where the disciples see a woman and she is pouring perfume on the head and feet of the Lord Jesus. And they say, why this waste? Why this waste? They can't see beyond the fact that this gift she was making to Jesus was in their view a waste because it could have been sold for a vast sum of money. And they were giving us a perspective which is alive and living today around us. Like Clinton's team, they were saying, if you can't see that it's money that matters most, you're just stupid. But the story which we had read to us a few moments ago shows that the Lord Jesus Christ did not share that perspective. And what they called wasteful, Jesus calls beautiful. She has done a beautiful thing, verse 10 explains. So what I thought we could do this morning is we could look at this incident and see, first of all, why the disciples thought it was wasteful. And then, why Jesus thought it was beautiful. And that might help us to look at our responsibility with the money we have. First of all then, let's just see what Mary did in this story. Who is the person concerned? Well, she's not actually named in Matthew's account of this story, but John gives us another account of exactly the same incident in chapter 12, and he says it was Mary. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Now, there's history here, isn't it? Those of you who know the stories of Jesus will know that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus with Mary and Martha, his sisters, and something very dramatic had happened in Lazarus' life. He died. But Jesus had come in response to the request of his sisters and had raised him to life again. She was now, Mary was now, someone who was a close friend 
of Jesus. Even in that story about when Lazarus was, was raised from the dead, there's an expression used that's quite unusual in the Gospels because it says, Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Now, of course, Jesus loves everybody. Every Sunday school child knows that Jesus loves everybody. But in what sense is there some special relationship between Jesus and Martha and Mary? Well, even between the two sisters, there was a difference. When Martha was busy doing things, even preparing for a meal for Jesus, we're told that Mary sat at his feet and listened to him. This was a woman who had many reasons to love Jesus. And she had even more reasons than some other of his friends. She was a close friend then. Of Jesus. Now, here in this incident, you'll see in verse 6 that she was sharing a meal with Jesus. Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known Simon the leper. Now, Bethany was the town where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. So, it's not surprising that uh, when a feast is being held in honor of Jesus, that Mary should have been invited. We can assume that uh, Simon had been cured of his leprosy because people who had leprosy uh, weren't allowed to just invite people into their home and eat like that. Perhaps there's a history there we don't know any detail about. But certainly here we find that Mary, this woman who, who was a close friend of Jesus, was sharing a meal with Jesus and while she was there she did something dramatic. Verse 7 says... A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. What's all this about? A few weeks ago, a group of our friends from Long Crendon went to Romania to help with a church there. And when they came back, the brother who was leading that group Alan Esam, he's away on holiday now in Scotland, but he was here and he was telling us about his reaction to being in Romania. And you know, the first thing he talked about was the smell of Romania. Now, I've been to Romania a few times and uh, I know that in the winter it's colder than we have here and in the summer it's a lot hotter than we have it here. And Alan hadn't been there in the summer before, and Alan realised that when it gets very, very hot, Romania smells. And in Jesus' day, he lived in a place which was much hotter than we are. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have many of the modern things that we have. And so, because of the smells, they used perfume. Not just the women, but the men as well. This was a very common thing to happen. The perfume to be used to counteract the smells of the heat and the bodies and the people around. So it's not surprising that she was using perfume. But what is surprising is the amount of perfume that she used. We're told in the... uh, account by John, that what she used in this alabaster box was half a litre of perfume. Now, this is not perfume 
but it's half a litre. Now you ladies think about how much you're expected to pay for a little jar of perfume about that big. It's got a great big top on it and a big label and a big name, but you pay an enormous amount for a small amount of perfume. What she had was this much perfume. And she poured it all out on the head and the feet of the Lord Jesus. That's a very extravagant gift, isn't it? That's doing something truly extraordinary. And so, that's the background to the disciples saying, this is really over the top. What do you think you're doing with that amount of expensive perfume, wasting it by pouring it on Jesus? So that's what she had done. Let's look then at why they called it wasteful. Well, I've already indicated one of the reasons why they called it wasteful. That's because they saw only its money value. We're helped again by John's account, because John tells us that what it was worth was a man's wages for a whole year. Now, I don't want to upset any of you here, but I did look up what the average wage of people in the United Kingdom is today. This is the average. A lot of people have to be above the average for it to be the average. A lot of people have to be below the average for it to be the average. But the average wage of a man in the United Kingdom today is £27,000 a year. So imagine this. Here's a woman with a jar of ointment worth £27,000. That's big money, isn't it? And they could see it only in its money terms. Where she got that amount of perfume from, we don't know. Whether she'd inherited it from uh, uh, her family, we don't know. But the, the response of the disciples is really quite disappointing. These are friends of Jesus who have been with him for three years. They have heard his teaching. They have seen his priorities. They've all the time been aware of the fact that Jesus is saying eternity matters even more than time. Spiritual things matter even more than material things. But here they are, looking at this and not being able to see beyond their wallets. In May of this year, I was very glad to discover that an evangelical bishop in the Church of England wrote to the new government when the coalition was formed. He quoted Clinton's message, The Economy Stupid, and he said, please, please, informing the policies of your new government, don't leave out the moral and spiritual values because to leave them out and to think only in money terms would itself be stupid. Is it a danger we face today? Let me ask you to turn something up in your Bible. James chapter 2. James, almost at the end of your Bible, these letters, James, Peter, Peter, John, 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 Jude. James chapter 2. Verse 1. My brothers, 
as believers in our glorious Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James is warning Christians about judging people only according to their money. Now, I was talking earlier about um, the fact that I've known Ron for a good few years. Um, I've observed something else that's changed in my lifetime in church, and that is dress has changed in my lifetime. When I was a young Christian, everybody had Sunday clothes, and they came in their Sunday clothes to church. Now, you can't tell by looking at somebody's clothes how much money they have. You have to look at something else. You have to look at their car. And you have to see where they're living and where their address is. And you've got to see the kind of house they're living in. But we soon are clever at picking these things up, aren't we? And we're in danger of valuing people according to their money value. It's so easy to do because everybody else is doing that around us. These disciples said it was wasteful because they only saw its money value. Ah, but there was something else as well. You can read it here in verse 9. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Ah, that makes it better, doesn't it? It was because they wanted to give the money away. That's why they valued in that way. Now we have to be very careful how we hold a balance here. Yes, it is right to be concerned for poor people. It was one of the highest religious duties of the Jewish people that they gave to the poor. And Jesus did care for the poor. He was not indifferent to the poor. You remember one man came to Jesus who wanted to know how he could go to heaven. And Jesus said, sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Jesus was concerned for poor people. But the disciples saw how many could benefit from such a large sum of money. Does Jesus agree with them? Well, this is very interesting, isn't it? What does he say? Verse 11. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Jesus is not saying the poor don't matter, but he's saying, in some senses, honouring me matters even more than giving to the poor. This is interesting. It's much harder to raise funds for a ministry which is bringing Jesus to people than raising funds for giving food to hungry people. The charities that exist to give relief to the poor 
are financially much greater off, better off, than those who are concerned to honour Jesus by the word of bringing the message to him. Somehow, I think there are questions being asked us by this verse 11. Should we be thinking only about poor people? Or should we be thinking about bringing Jesus to people who need him? But there's one more reason why they called it wasteful. And that's because they were totally taken in by Judas. Please do turn to John chapter 12 because you've got to just read this to to see exactly how it's put. John is telling the same story but he's looking at it from a slightly different angle and he's pointing out something that Matthew doesn't explain. If you turn to John chapter 12 the story is there. Mary took a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume poured it on Jesus' feet wiped his feet with her hair The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. It was Judas that was initiating this thought that the disciples then listened to Judas and said, yes, we should give it to the poor, shouldn't we? Now, Judas didn't want to give it to the poor. He wanted to steal some of it for himself. We must remember, as we come back to Matthew 26, we must remember the crucial stage this is in the life of Jesus. Because we're told in the first few verses that something was happening amongst the chief priests. They were plotting to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. And immediately after this story, we read in verse 14, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me? if I hand him over to you. So much is Judas concerned about money for himself. He's willing even to betray the Lord Jesus in order to get some more money for himself. Can you see how sad this is that the disciples, close friends of Jesus for three years, should be taken in by this thief who is manipulating the situation, or trying to, to get money for himself, and not to honour Jesus at all. There's a very well-known passage, isn't there, in 1 Timothy 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. What we brought, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. It did that for Judas, didn't it? It plunged him into ruin and destruction. For the love of money 
is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money is the root of all evil. That's a mistake. But the love of it is. And to put it first is a stupid thing to do. We must move on. Why then did Jesus call it beautiful? Why did Jesus say she has done a beautiful thing? Well, it's because it was done out of love for Jesus, wasn't it? One of the commentators, Hendrickson, says, when Mary was pouring out her perfume, she was also pouring out her heart, filled with genuine love and gratitude and devotion. She seemed to see better than the disciples saw what was actually going on and wanted to show her love for him. I have had to ask myself as I looked at this story this week, are women better at this than men? Do men think too much about things and not feel enough about things? Well, it's not true of all men, but perhaps there are some. But this woman seemed to know and feel what she was doing more than the male disciples around her. She did this out of love for Jesus. He said it was beautiful. Now, if she could feel that before Jesus had even died on the cross, how much more should we, who look back at all that he has done, and see that when he was crucified, he was not just a victim of the scheming Jews. He was coming to bear my sins in his body on the tree. He was taking the punishment that I deserved. He was suffering the hell that I should have experienced. He was defeating the death that would come to me because of my sins. And in his death and resurrection, he was demonstrating the great power of God for me and for my salvation. If this woman Mary could feel such love for Jesus before even that had happened, and before she had a real understanding of what it was all about, how much more should we want to show our love for Jesus by the way in which we give to him. Spurgeon was a 19th century Baptist pastor who also preached on this story and I read his sermon the other day. He was a very good pastor because he applied everything to the people in his congregation and told them exactly what they should do because of what they heard in the Bible. And he said, some of you here will be now expecting me to tell you what you should do in order to show your love for Jesus this week and I'm not going to tell you. I was ready. I'm not going to tell you, he said, because I don't want you to go out and do anything this week because the pastor told you to do it. You've got to think about what Jesus has done for you. And you've got to do something out of love for Jesus. That's what Mary did. She found some way, uniquely, of expressing her love. And that's what we are challenged to do. But there's more. It was done out of great personal sacrifice. In no previous signs she was a rich woman. But if the perfume 
could have been used for £27,000. What could she have done with that? What could a woman buy today with £27,000? Your imagination goes round of what you could do. But she didn't do that. She gave it to Jesus. And it cost her. It was an enormous sacrifice. You see, Jesus isn't really impressed with the amount of money. He's impressed with the amount of sacrifice. There is that lovely story in Luke 21, isn't there? About somebody else who gave something. Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others because he wasn't counting the amount of money. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. This is a very challenging thing, isn't it? For those of us who live in a relatively affluent country, when we compare ourselves with those people in Pakistan, we live in an affluent country, don't we? We give to the Lord and we give gladly to the Lord. But do we give until it really hurts? The essence of sacrifice is to give up something for myself in order to give it to Jesus. Is our giving truly sacrificial? We've been singing songs about this already this morning, about making our life a sacrifice. Now, it's not just a matter of money, is it? Sometimes it's a matter of time. Our time, which we have for our leisure, do we give that to the Lord? It would be very easy, wouldn't it, to, to say, Sunday's the only day off I have. I'll go to church in the morning, but in the evening I want to use the time for my leisure and for my family. Have you ever thought of the fact that maybe you could give up and sacrifice some of your leisure time on Sunday evening to come and hear God's word again here? There will only be half the people here this mo- tonight as they were here this morning. Are we prepared to sacrifice our time to encourage the young people and bring others under the sound of the gospel in the evening? What about our evenings? Our evenings are very precious to us. We don't have very much time in the evenings, do we? But do we ever think about Thursday evening, sacrificing the television, whatever we're doing, to come and pray that God would bless his word? Sacrificial giving of our time and our talents is something so important. There are many, many needs in the children's and young people's work here And we need people who are prepared to sacrifice their talents that they could use in other ways to use them for the significance of God's kingdom. These are questions that are raised for me by this passage. I've one more reason here. It was done out of concern for his death. For his death. We are told in verse 2 of this chapter, he's just explained... The Passover is two days away. The Son of Man 
will be handed over to be crucified. Verse 12 says, When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Mary seemed to know Jesus was going to die and to die soon. And so he is saying that she has more concern about the significance of his death. And that's why she sacrificed in her love for him. Do we see the importance of the death of Jesus? Do we really think about the fact that he gave us the Lord's table, that time by time, by time we may remember his death? The subject of the death of the Lord Jesus and its significance for us and our faith and our future is something we must never underestimate. It was only by his death that God is no longer angry with us because of our sins. It's because of his death that we can face our tempter and say we have a victorious saviour who enables us to reply to his temptations. The best preaching is the preaching that focuses on the death of Christ. I've determined to know nothing else among you, Paul wrote, than Jesus Christ and him crucified. The best life is the life of self-denial. If any man will follow me, let him deny himself. That means death to self-interest and sacrifice for the Lord Jesus. Jesus called it beautiful. Not just because it was out of love for him, a great personal sacrifice, but because it focused attention on his death. Let me conclude then. I haven't said anything about verse 13, and yet I just want to ask you to read this as we uh, bring these things together. Jesus, at the end of this incident, says, I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is such an encouragement. It's such an encouragement that Jesus is telling us here the gospel of the death and salvation that Jesus brings is going to be preached throughout the world. It's not just for the Jews meeting at Bethany there. It's not just for fabrics in Pakistan. It's for comfortable people in England too. We all need the message of this gospel which he's talking about here. That's why it is preached to all the world. That's why it is preached in this pulpit. That's why we want you to come here and to bring people here because it's this gospel which is needed by the whole world which is the only way of anyone being saved and losing their fear of all the consequences of our sin and knowing the assurance of going to be with him in heaven. It's so encouraging that Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this gospel is going to be preached throughout the world. But he says more. He says the gospel is not just about words concerning Jesus, it is acts of love done for Jesus. When this gospel is preached, 
what she has done will also be told. In memory of her? Because she is a great saint? No. Because she showed you how wonderful is a loving Saviour Jesus Christ that he draws out such amazing sacrifice from this woman's actions. We may not have £27,000 to give. What we do have to give this week may be little. It may not be money, it may be time, it may be talents. But don't forget, he calls it beautiful. Because the testimony of Jesus needs not just the words of preaching, it needs the acts of devotion demonstrating that the love of Jesus is worth more than all the world. Who's stupid now? The people who say that money matters most or the people who say Jesus matters most? Go away and think about that. We're going to sing as we close a hymn of dedication. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I want you to think about this because we could be in danger of singing something we don't mean if we're not careful. It talks about our money and whether we are prepared to give our money. It talks about our hands and our voice and our will and our love. That's why. We need to be thoughtful as we stand and sing. Thank you.